Morning, everyone. If you'd like to find uh, a Bible, if you brought one with you, uh, you could be turning to uh, John's Gospel in the New Testament and chapter 7. I've got a second bite of the cherry uh, since I, I, I preached. We looked at all of chapter 7 last week. Just going to home in on a couple of verses this time. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 7, uh, verse 37, 38, and 39. Uh, so I shall, uh, I shall read that, and then we'll get going. So it says this. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Um, and in a while, we're just going to go through those words that Jesus said. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and so on. Um, but giving this some, some more thought this week, I, I suppose I pondered first of all, what, what have been my, my own experiences um, of thirst? Uh, and I, I realise after a while they, they kind of fall into a couple of different categories. There are occasions when I've really th felt thirsty, maybe because I've exerted myself uh, in, some, in some way. Um, you know, a, a longer than average bike ride on a hotter than average day, or a game of football or whatever. When you, when you know you're likely to get thirsty, because obviously you're, you're losing moisture as you do whatever you're doing, or, or that kind of thing where you just, you just get really hot trying to access that part of the attic where you've stored that thing that's really important, now you're trying to retrieve it again. That those kind of moments where you know you're going to get hot, you exert yourself, and you really, you really feel thirsty. And on those kind of moments, how do you drink? How do occasions totally, I guzzle. You know, big bottle, lid comes off. The bottle doesn't have to touch your lips, you're just that thirsty, like that. And maybe it is a hot day, so when there's a little bit left, it doesn't matter, it's not going in your mouth, it's just, you flick your hair everywhere um, and, uh, and, and feel very refreshed. I mean, that's just me running for the bus, to be honest. But, um, but maybe for you, that is a 100-mile bike ride or something crazy. Occasions where you have just been super, super thirsty. Um, there, there are other occasions as well, I realise, when actually I didn't realise... I was all that thirsty. When I'm not thirsty because I've really exerted myself and lost a lot of moisture, I'm just thirsty because I haven't been drinking very much. And, uh, it, and it, it can creep up on me. Sometimes it's just a change of routine, a, a, an unusual day. Uh, I can be, um, as a dad, just a little bit militant in the morning, kind of breakfast time, have a drink, drink something. And... Um, uh, maybe, maybe later on. I don't, I'm not even sure that my children always see me having a big drink. But you know, later on, just like fill up, big glass, down the hatch it goes. Why? Because kind of learned through experience. It's just we need to take on water, don't we? It's when routines get a little bit messed up that sometimes the trouble can come. And I had that kind of experience um, going to a, 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 a Christian gathering midweek, and it was a big. Uh, prayer conference, I suppose. We're just going to spend the day praying, a couple of days, in fact, 
And we were encouraged to fast as well. Um, and so that's, that's, that's great, fine opportunity to seek God, set, set meals aside just to uh, make time for God uh, and show him that we mean business. And uh, I was having a few sips here and there, but I, what I didn't realize is I, through the course of the day, I was just getting massively dehydrated and I didn't join up the dots. It's like, why have I got this massive headache? You know, I'd, I'd gone, I'd had a break, I'd had this little cup of juice or whatever, I'd had another little cup of coffee, not really realizing that I hadn't taken on very much. So a headache was coming on, I felt rough as anything. This auditorium of like maybe a thousand people, I'm like, just where's the first aider? And uh, they'd really planned this well. So there's like a whole room and I was, I was, I was, the door opened, I was ushered through, I think you probably need to come in here. And there's this room full of middle-aged men lying down, not feeling so great. Because on a day of prayer and fasting, they hadn't been having that much to drink. And I was just gently advised, I think you probably need to break fast. Okay, I just, so lay down. And in that situation, you, you, can't, you can't guzzle. You can't totally devour a sandwich. You feel rough as anything. So just little bits, little bits. And over a course of, you know, maybe the next hour or so, I was just starting to come, come back up to what felt like normal. But for a while, it took a little while. And it took just frequent sips. So there's occasions for absolutely guzzling on a hot day when you've been busy. And there's other occasions just to make sure there's a habit forming of, of, of keep sipping. Um, uh, and I, th I think for all of us, maybe both experiences can be true, uh, spiritually speaking. There can, be a, there can be occasions when you know you're thirsty. We just know. We need God. Maybe we can see it coming. It's going to in, your life is going to involve this extra exertion or there's this fresh call from God to go and do something afresh. It's going, to, wow, I've really got to get before God. I'm thirsty for him. You might remember you know, Moses saying to the Lord in Exodus chapter 33, Lord, if your presence don't, doesn't go with us, don't send us up from this place. Unless it's apparent to the people, this is my paraphrase, unless it's apparent to the nations around us that we're different, don't, don't send us up. You have to go with us. Just this incredible thirst um, for, for God's presence, for God himself. And you might be familiar with, um, with another psalm, Psalm uh, 63, uh, a psalm of David. Uh, when he was in the desert of Judah, the, the initial footnote says, and, and David wrote this psalm in prayer to God, O oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love uh, is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And on he goes, he, he's in a dry place and he's desperate for God. And he brings that to God in this earnest prayer. I know I need you, Lord. And there are those moments spiritually for us uh, as God's people. I just know that I need God. We could even say, I've, I've tasted before. I've seen you in the sanctuary. There have been other times, Lord, where I really know that you've come through. And I've, I've had revealed to me just how amazing you are. A bit more of that, please. And he's coming. He's coming with that prayer. He's coming with a prayer of faith. There's an eagerness, but that's also quite an uncomfortable place to be in. And sometimes, before God wants to do a powerful work of refreshing amongst his people, 
all God's people will just get a bit uncomfortable, a bit unsettled. Things aren't quite right. There's a bit of a gap. I can think back in times in my life when that's been the case, um, where I had, I'd made a confession of faith. I was following Jesus. I believed in him. Um, and, but after a few years on, from that experience of coming to Jesus, if you like, coming to faith, recognizing that I needed him and I wanted to live my life for him, I just noticed the big gap. The big gap between how I was living and what normal Christianity looked like in the Bible. And, and that gap just got to me. And I, and I realized I could give that gap a name. I could call it compromise. I, I, I say I believe things. I think I do believe those things. But this is not flowing out of me. Something's missing. There, there must be more. Uh, kind of a, a time of some heartache. But I see now that it was God's preparation to reveal that he was everything I needed um, to, to kind of go further in faith rather than to shrink back at that point. So there can be those times that are just uncomfortable, but we know we're thirsting. And, and there could be other times when we, maybe we just haven't realized. You know, if you think back to John chapter 4, Jesus has that encounter with a woman at the well. And they have this intriguing conversation in Samaria. They have this intriguing conversation. Jesus asks for a drink. Um, but later on in the conversation, he is offering her uh, living water that will bubble up to eternal life. And she'll never thirst again. So give me this drink. And, and Jesus says to her, you know, go and get your husband. I'm, I'm, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. The conversation seems to take this crazy kind of turn, but you're right. You've, you've had five husbands and the man that you're now with isn't your husband. So you're right. She changes the conversation again, as you might do at that, at that point, but it's kind of just hinting at something. She's thirsty, but she hasn't realized quite what for. Looking for something... And maybe hoping, I'm going to find that in a relationship. And one wonders, we don't know the history. We don't know if, 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 if one after another, she just realizes the relationship is not satisfying and, um, and goes with someone else. Or, or she, she's just looking for some stability. She might be looking for intimacy and connection, or she might be looking for stability. She's hoping that relationship is going to find it, only to be rejected again by another scoundrel. We don't know who the culprit is, maybe both. And now she lands in a different situation. Jesus can see she's thirsty. She needs what those relationships haven't provided and can't really provide. But she meets him. And when she understands the offer of life that he's giving her, it's amazing. She goes back to her village and says, I, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and meet him. That thirst or hunger, what she was longing for, could only be satisfied by Jesus. And she comes to realize that, and she gives her life to him. It's, it's kind of a picture of maybe someone who just didn't quite realize that they were thirsty, or maybe didn't quite realize where's the best place to go if you are. And those kind of things can happen in our, in our own lives. And, and for all of us, you know, we've been part of this strange experience in the past few years of which may have felt quite dry, a bit of a wilderness, a strange time, and that could produce a thirst in the sense that, well, knowing God's presence is, also, is always intended to be something that is 
yeah, richly personal, but also corporate. We, we know God together. We encounter God as a people together. He's, he's won us and saved us that we might be his people, a community. And so we could look at Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 22, as, as Paul's writing there and he reaches a bit of a, of a crescendo in what he's talking about. And he says uh, in Ephesians 2 verse 22, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So the sense that we get to know God amongst us. Yes, there's personal encounter, but we are a, a building, we're a temple, we're a house that's being built together, becoming a place where God lives by his spirit. So hungering for God, thirsting after him, is something to experience um, corporately. And, and therefore, we can't just be isolated individuals. Somehow in all of that, it's not the only thing, but kind of... Um, is, is key, and I, maybe even Steve just now kind of mentioned this, being, being church and singing. Uh, and we could go to Ephesians chapter 5, as, um, as Jane just read out as she brought the psalm. Um, and verse 18, Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms. Thank you very much, Jane. Uh, hymns. And spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And so there's some connection between knowing God's presence, together being filled with his spirit, which is wonderfully satisfying. It will come out and be strengthened as we sing. Now I know not everyone is like maybe the same on this. But I know for me personally, if I haven't been singing recently, and I don't mean like here in the gathered meeting, I'm talking about moments of like just washing up or whatever. If, if I haven't, if I've not been singing at all, something's wrong. That's like an indication. I'm, I'm thirsty for God, but I haven't recognized it. So I'm, I'm, um, uh, I'm now tackling this with the help of Alexa. Uh, recent gift, uh, I basically say on a number of occasions, Alexa, please play real retro worship music for the next half an hour or so while everyone else is doing something else, okay? I know that's not going to be the same for everyone. But there is something about being God's people and being a people of the Spirit, which if, I, if, I am, if I'm coming to the Lord, if that thirst is being satisfied, that will be in evidence. I'll, I will be singing um, some, sometime. So how does this passage here if we can identify our thirst, if we can identify um, our, our, our need and our desire for God, actually, what, what do we do about it? And those few verses that we looked at are wonderful encouragement to us from the lips of Jesus in the word of God to be a people who are pursuing the spirit. And we're just going to roll through it um, uh, almost closer claws at a time. So if anyone is thirsty, what do we do? First thing, come to Jesus. Come to me, he says, verse uh, 37, in a loud voice. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. So once we've recognized our 
our desire, our spiritual thirst, our need, which might crop up in any kind of number of different ways, we make that decision, I'm not now, I'm not looking anywhere else. I can't remember if this was Steve or someone else just saying it's possible just to have so many uh, different distractions in life, things that we, we think will help us. They might, be, they might not be bad things, but they might just be a distraction. I did that thing recently where I went through my phone and just like deleted all the apps that I don't use, um, which has helped my phone to work a bit better. Um, I also did that thing a couple of days ago where I thought, that app that I do use, it's just a silly game. It's, I still like it, and I want to play it. But I thought, this is just becoming a distraction to me. I'm going to delete it. Goodbye. And sometimes there's just ways in life where we need to do that. We need to do that kind of reset, that reboot. It might be actual, God, I'm coming to you, forgive me. There's, there's something I need to erase. There's something I need to delete. There's something else. Or it might not, it might not be um, forgiveness for the thing that's abhorrent before God. It might be just recognizing I'm getting distracted. There's lots of things that I'm thinking of. And I kind of think they'll give me life, but actually they kind of don't. It's more, it's more like coming to a mirage. What's the word? Yeah, mirage, is that how you say it? I get muddled up sometimes. Um, you know, in that kind of desert dry place, you kind of see something on the horizon. Um, the, the hot air makes everything kind of shimmer. And you think, oh, that looks like some beautiful oasis just over there, just near the horizon. I'm going to go. And you get there and it's just still sand. There's nothing really there at all. It promised me life, but it's not really delivering. I've allowed myself to get distracted. I've allowed myself even to be deceived. And this is clear. Come to Jesus. Not go looking somewhere else. And this was the experience of God's people in the Old Testament on, you know, that they are remembering and celebrating this particular feast. When they were thirsty, they were in the wilderness. They were in a dry place. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 17, I think it is. And they were crying out, Moses, should we just go back to Egypt? Because, I mean, it was rubbish there, but we've now forgotten that. And we're just thinking, well, at least we could drink something whilst making bricks and slaving away. And um, Moses is probably at that point of tearing his hair out. And this strange thing happens where, where God says to Moses, with your staff, gather the people and strike a rock. Huh? What has a rock got to do with thirst? I cannot drink the rock. You, know, you see the mirage and it doesn't promise anything. You see a rock? How is how's this going to solve the problem? If we're thirsty. But we've learned, and Paul can tell us from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, what the rock signifies. The rock is Jesus. And the rock was struck for us. And that's what's going to happen to Jesus. He would be struck and he'd be put on a cross. That he would be the one uh, taking punishment for us. But that from him would flow water. Satisfying the thirsty. And sometimes that might be your thought right now. Is well, I, yeah, I could identify that I'm thirsty. But honestly, Jesus to me just looks like a rock. How is he going to solve thirst? I cannot drink that. Well, that's what, it's a call to faith. Don't go chasing the dreams over the horizon. Look at Jesus. And it might look unlikely, but what he has done 
And what's happened through his life and ministry and his death on the cross means that for you comes available these streams of living water that we're going to talk about. The true satisfaction that only he can provide. No one else. Come to him. Come only to him. He is the source. Not something else. Not someone else. And if, if for you as a believer in Jesus, he has in some ways stopped being your source then whatever is flowing out from you will not be streams of living water. And we cannot be a source of life for those that we care about. So yeah, oh yeah, I understand that I've got to come to Jesus, but other people, they have to come to me. Oh, I wish it wasn't the case, but they need me. I've got to be there for them. And those kind of, those kind of thoughts can become the reason, oh well, I, I would come to Jesus, but that's almost become like a luxury to you. I've just got to be there for other people. Well, yeah, there is, a, there is to be a flow that comes out of our life. That will bless others. But the call on all of us is to come to Jesus. We, in fellowship with each other, but we, we are a people who are thirsting after Jesus. And so our encouragement then to one another is, is look to him rather than inadvertently to give off that vibe and message, I'll, I'll, I'll try and be there for you always. And we just get weary. Why? Because we, we've stopped drinking. We've stopped coming to him. And we've allowed Jesus, we've allowed our relationship with Jesus, we've allowed coming to him to be some kind of strange luxury. Drinking, you just have to do every day. So come to Jesus and do what? Drink. It's absolutely essential. It's daily. It's basic. It's not a luxury. So drinking might look different on different occasions. There can be times of spiritually just guzzling and the Lord just says, stay there and just keep drinking. Okay, yeah. Oh, amazing. Times when the Spirit of God comes on people, comes on us, and it is, it's manifest, it's obvious. That person is receiving God. God's come upon them. It's tangible. They're shaking, they fall over, they speak in tongues, they do something. You know, it's, it's evident. Wow, I want to know God like that. And there are times for guzzling. And there are times for just keep sipping. Because the guzzle, if you can go with this um, image, can just become a binge. Well, I drink once a year. At a particular festival. That's my time for drinking. Don't be foolish. You're going to be in some weird kind of like crash and burn cycle. Keep drinking. Daily. It doesn't have to be or look dramatic. It's just you recognising this is my source of life. He is my source of life. I have no life. I have, I have no source of life. No vitality at all if I don't have him. If your presence, Lord, doesn't go with us. So it may not always look dramatic, and it doesn't have to. It's just a determined decision. I'm coming to Jesus, and I'm going to drink. And then Jesus says, Whoever believes in me. So we come to Jesus. We drink. And what that means is we, we believe. We're engaging faith. In other words, this isn't just 
based on feelings. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a friend to pray for me. I'm going to read the Bible. And I'm going to wait to see if I feel anything. I'm going to wait to see if I get kind of like a strange sensation of butterflies, if my hand begins to shake. Yes, I've got it. He's here. I know. And, and what we can be just doing is training ourselves actually to live by kind of an impulsive feeling and then to feel disappointment if the dramatic doesn't happen. Well, I tried. I did something. But just Jesus didn't turn up. And that can be a reason for not coming to Jesus and not drinking. It's just fear. What if nothing dramatic happens? What if nothing distinct happens? But no, you don't, don't come on the basis of feeling. Come on the basis of faith. That Jesus is giving here this, this amazing uh, invitation. So I know that if I come to him in faith, I will receive. Some strength, some encouragement, some refreshing. And this isn't just believe, as maybe someone else shared this morning. Yeah, I, I believe, but basically what you're talking about, yeah, it's all in glory. It's all, it's all saved up for us in heaven. There'll be that time when we don't thirst for anything and there are just glorious moments of being in the presence of God and, and in worship and I'll know and I'll understand and I'll, I can believe for that time. That time is coming. But as for now, it's just dry, weary, plodding. There is a place for the faithful plod with God. But let your faith be kindled that we are not just called to be a people who are waiting for some event to happen. Hopefully Jesus will come back soon. Hopefully we'll get to be with him. And that will be amazing right now. Just dry weariness. Well, that's not what we've been being told here. Jesus, in saying those words, and John, in recording them for us, is not saying, you'll receive eternal life, and that's, that's what you're looking forward to, that one day when. Jesus raised his voice on, a, on, uh, on that last and greatest day of the feast to make a loud proclamation, to say, in effect, it starts here, and it starts now, and it starts with me. Because at that feast, this is what they were doing. Yes, they were giving thanks for what happened in the past. They were giving thanks for God sending rain and giving crops in the present. And they were looking forward to this, this new age that would begin. An age where, where God's people would know the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit with, with, a, with much more clarity. And so as a, as a way of, of looking forward to that time, each day there'd be this kind of formal procession um, involving the chief priests and others, and they'd go from the temple, basically with a large jug, like the coffee jugs that we use at the back. Large jug, not exactly like the coffee jugs that we use at the back. Um, and they'd go and dip it in uh, the pool of Siloam. And there'd be this procession, they'd be singing uh, Psalms 113 to 118, and they'd, they'd go and they'd process, go back into the temple, they've got the jug, and ultimately, there'd be this water that would just be poured over, poured over the altar. And that was way, the way of God's people saying, yeah, one day, one day, the Spirit will flow. One day, Ezekiel chapter 47, 
this picture of, of, of a massive river of, of living water coming out from beneath the temple and flowing. And, and it's just full of life. And you go a bit further and it just gets deeper and it just gets wider. And it's fresh water. And somehow this fresh water, when it flows into the salt water of the sea, turns the sea fresh. Like this amazing stream of living water and there are trees um, and their leaves are for the healing of the nation and there's just all sorts of life. And they've just got this jug of water. <laughs> One day. And so God's people can kind of live with that. And even for us, we can get into that kind of mindset. It's like, wouldn't that be great? One day. One day the Spirit will come. One day this new age will begin. And Jesus is there to announce in a loud voice, it has begun. And it's begun with me. So you're to be, you are a people of the Spirit. You are a people in this new age. You're a people who've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And you're a people through whom streams of living water are kind of flowing into the world. And John wants to make it clear what this means. So then he says in verse uh, Verse 39, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we know there's more to come, but he's not saying, oh, it, it, it's when you die, it's when you go to heaven. He's saying, when Jesus died and then rose again, he, he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Spirit to God's people so that they would know this for themselves, that the streams of living water would be flowing, whether you're sipping or whether you're guzzling, or different experiences that we might have of our feast. First, we are a people knowing and encountering a living God who is with us. And therefore, streams start to flow. That which is saved up in heaven is revealed in the here and now. So we know what will heaven involve. Awesome times of worshipping God. With no kind of barrier to our intimacy with him. And so we know what will be distinct and different about the people of God is that there'll be this flow in worship, this sense of really encountering him. Not the fullness, I'm pointing over there to like the flag of Zambia, God's own country, um, they'll we'll be there one day with absolutely no limitation, but we're to know the taste of it right now. And so what has this time been like? This strange time when we're still not quite sure if it's okay to sing. And we can kind of, we can just, we can almost put the brakes on ourselves. An expectation to encounter him uh, in worship is not only that, There'll be other things. You know, the Bible talks about having a, a power to witness, not having a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So that's what, that's what flows out from us. A power, a desire to speak of our faith in Jesus to whoever we meet. And we know, transformed on a new heaven and new earth, I will have no sin. And you will have no sin. It's just totally done away with. It's been totally eradicated. It would, there's no point going looking for temptation. You're just not going to find it. 
You know, that's what we're looking forward to. But that means that right now, there's to be the foretaste of it. A people who are killing their sin. A people who are recognising that temptation is just a mirage. It's not going to lead to life. The only thing that leads to life is Jesus. That's where I'm going. He's the one I'm heading towards. A people who are, who are joyfully committed to killing sin in their own life. Not, I suppose I have to. Oh, but it, I mean, it just looks so pleasurable. But I suppose I, I shouldn't. It's like, no, we have found where true life is. And it's in him. So what's flowing, what's growing, is a character that more and more looks like Jesus. And this will involve, again, in glory, in heaven, new heavens and new earth, that face-to-face -face relationship and interaction with Jesus, we will perfectly know. Our, our hearts and our minds will be permanently exploding with the awareness of just how much God loves and accepts us in Jesus. So you could go searching for guilt in heaven and you just won't find it because it's, it's no longer there. A guilt-free eternal life, knowing God is absolutely enthralled with all his people. That's what we're looking forward to. So there's a taste of that now. And the Bible speaks of this, uh, the, the love of God being poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God's desire is that not you, you don't, you're not kind of wrapped up permanently in I don't feel good enough for God. And we might say and, and agree with one another almost on some level, but we kind of know we can all feel that from time to time. But to be a people who know you have been cleansed from all your unrighteousness, and he loves you with an undying, permanent, overflowing, new every morning, passionate love. If you don't know that, what's going to be oozing out from you is something else. If you don't feel good enough, never quite living up to the mark, that's probably what's going to flavour what you say to other people. You might not realise it, but they kind of come away thinking, oh... I guess I'm not good enough either. That, that can be a flow sometimes that happens. So what are we going to do? Let's come to Jesus. Let's drink. But what's flowing out of me is going to be a blessing uh, to others. This stream of living water that is flowing, that will flow with supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, will flow then with genuine joy and delight in the presence of God. It's not... Some ticket to perfect euphoria. Okay, let's just take some time. Okay, I'll go keep preaching for a moment. Unless you're dealing directly, just you can keep looking at me. I'll try and keep talking. Um, we can just spend a moment praying in just a minute, but uh, let's give some time. But we know that as God's people, we'll be full aware of his great love for us and that that will be flowing through us and I wonder I wonder what this means for you which group uh, what group might you be in as I said at the outset different experiences I've had of thirst um, there have been times probably when I have been drinking I've been drinking well I've been drinking enough and that might be you just kind of confirms you don't need me to tell you to come to Jesus and drink. That's just, 
That's your habit, that's what's going on. That's what you're doing. You might be like me in identifying that you are thirsty and you know you're thirsty. And you are thirsty and you are eager for more of God. And if I gave the call to come to the front, you are there in like 0.3 of a nanosecond. Oh God, I need you. And that's what's going on. Well, you could be like, you could identify with me in just knowing, I don't even know what's going on. I don't know if I'm thirsty. You've even, you're not even sure where your weariness has come from. Maybe prone then just to looking somewhere else, to someone else, to something else to satisfy. And perhaps today is just a reminder. There's, there's, we just need to come to him. What deliberate and practical steps might this mean for you right now? Because it's easy to agree with a sentiment or an idea Come to Jesus and drink, and then just not do anything about it. To kind of agree, but make no change. And our encourage, my encouragement is, let's not just agree to drink more and do nothing about it. But to, to go on forming a habit of spending time with God, expectant to encounter him in his word, in prayer, in personal worship, in just informal fellowship. Like if you weren't doing well, if you could identify with being spiritually dry, would anybody else know? Or is it just this totally private matter? And it can feel a bit of a risk to open up and say, actually, I'm not sure, I need, I need, I need help right now. And it's not for the other person to say, I will be what you need. I'll be there for you every single moment. I'll sort this for you. I can be your fix. I can be your source. But maybe what they can do is just reiterate the question. Okay. What are you going to do? What's the plan? How are you going to drink? You know, let's take opportunities to have real fellowship with other believers. Meaningful interactions that's more than just uh, pleasantries. But, but to consider this week, what does it mean for you? And what does, it mean, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for a church? What does it mean for a community to be a people that God is building together to be that dwelling place where he lives by the Spirit? A people who are really putting this into practice. That's, that's the ongoing adventure. That's the ongoing call. Not just to be that isolated believer, but to be part of a community, seeking and knowing God's, God's presence, not just kind of going through the motions. I read the word, I don't get anything out of it, I move on. But to be a people just who know that God is real, that we can encounter him more, that there's more for us to know. I'm going to pray, uh, we'll worship, we'll allow people access, but let's just, we're going to look to God. If you are dealing with an with important situation right here, please continue. Let's look to Jesus and let's worship God. So I'm going to invite the band to come, uh, come back up. And um, I just encourage you, if you're, if you're at home watching, you know, this is your opportunity. I used to find it so weird, you know, singing or responding to God when it's just in, in the lounge or whatever, watching a screen. 
But let's just believe together to know God right here, right now, and see what he wants to do. Let's stand.